guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a very special episode for you. We have uh, Tim. We have not, not a history session. Not story. a history session. We've got Drew and Tim from uh, 911 Cooled, and they came in today to pick up a 964. Right. And we're going to talk to them. They're in town, so we're going to have them in a little bit later after we take a break. Um, but first, I want to talk a little bit about some of the great reviews you guys have been giving us. I should actually I should read a couple, but I don't. They are very entertaining. So we really thank you guys for leaving those those cool reviews. And the and reason why I was going to say why are they leaving reviews? So the reason everybody's leaving reviews on iTunes is because we're giving away a Momo Prototipo. We're running the contest all this month. Right. So if you leave a uh, review on iTunes, yep, we'll uh, we'll enter you in the contest too. Yeah, so you you just go into iTunes, you leave a review, and you also have to leave a comment, though. Yeah, you have to leave a comment. Yeah, we won't see it if you don't leave a comment. Right. um, And I kind of wish I would have been like the most creative one that we could pick one, but it's too late for that now. So we're just going to do a random drawing. So we'll uh, then we'll have you guys. But that's, I mean, that's more fair because otherwise people are just going to keep trying to outdo themselves and be witty. Yeah, and then it'll just end up being absolutely ridiculous by the end of the month. Right, but they yeah. are entertaining. Yeah. So, so we, that's we good. appreciate that. So uh, what's going on with you? Anything? Um, I do have things going on. I don't know if I mentioned this before, so I'll just mention it quickly. I sold my MG project car. And you sold it to some guy that sold shouldn't it to be driving a it. Guy. Well, it's interesting. I've always had, and I even told him this story. So the worst scenario I've had where I've like sold something and regretted it is I used to restore vintage mopeds. And so long story short, I like sold this old moped from the 70s to some lady and she like it ran a drove and like she drove around the block and I did an awesome job restoring it. I like stripped it all down, powder coat frame, everything was new. And then she gets home and her husband calls me. And he's like, how dare you sell my wife something that doesn't work? Oh my and God. like it, it went on for like a week. Okay. And I was just, it was just this nightmare of a thing. I was like, it worked when I sold it. Like, what can I tell you? You bought an old thing and you, you have no, no, no you, warranty. You, yeah. You expected it to be like going to the Honda dealership and buying a new scooter well, or something. What was wrong with it? What was he complaining about? I think he didn't know how to use a choke to be completely honest. I think okay. that's what it came down to. Like, All right. he just, just idiots. So he wanted to look cool driving around a vintage scooter, but right. had but, no idea what he was doing. Yeah, no. And so I even relayed the story to the buyer for this MG because I'm like, I've been very concerned could now you about see it? selling could you, things. Could you see it when he was there? Like he just wasn't. A little bit. And I had hoped it wasn't the fact. And I was hoping when I was like, oh, is he a big car guy? He, like I thought he was just being humble. Like, oh, you know, because he did have like he had an old Ford like um, LTD project car or something. And, yeah. And, and so like, oh, that's cool. Whatever. Um, and he was like so gung ho to buy this thing. I was like super excited because he like he just had cash right there and like I we loaded up all the other parts for it the original parts and took it for a test drive good to go and he lived in St. Cloud which is a good I don't know. What it's, is it? it's far enough away that you should never have to see him again after the car is gone. <laughs> and I, that will be the case. But he, he called me like way too long after like two hours later and he was only like halfway there. Okay. And he was like the car isn't idling. I was like, oh, no. And I, I did tell him. I was like, this is such a unique car, and I built a full custom turbo kit for it and did all this fabrication work. So if you have questions, like, I'm not going to be a dick about it. Like, let me know. I just don't want you, like, knocking down my door a it's year later. It's not 1-800-JAKE. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so he did call me on his way home. It wasn't idling right. And so I was like, I felt bad. I felt guilty. Like, you know, I, the, I said the car's good to go, and it obviously was driving well for me. Right. But what was the problem, need, do you think? I don't know. I don't think he's used to... He's driving it to St. Cloud. He was only halfway home. What was he doing? I don't that know. That he was trying to idle the car. It's just I-94 all the way there. What was he doing? I, I think he took back roads, and I think he came into a small town and it, like killed at a stop sign or something. Okay. And so, so just I don't know turn the was, idle up a little bit. I, so I told him that, and he goes, <laughs> how do I do that? Oh, that's, yeah, that's so, the problem. Yeah, I don't want to be you know a dick about it, but it's just there's always, um, there's always danger in selling... A car, especially an old car, to someone who doesn't know necessarily what they're getting into. Right. So that's that's always a danger. But I haven't heard from him. It's let's, it's let's kind of interesting because with. I had a, a Momo. It wasn't a prototypo. It was it was a Model eighty five and it was a rear one with okay. a wood rim to it. And I an really indie? liked that wheel. Was it an it indie? Wasn't an indie. Okay. I'm trying to remember what it was. But I even told him I was like, you know, I actually didn't want to sell a car until I got a replacement wheel for this, so I could keep this. Right. And he was so gung ho and like, like literally was shoving money at me. I was like, that's fine. Keep I the wheel. have the wheel, like a new wheel coming, and I'll just swap it with you sometime. 
Yeah. Like, just know this wheel doesn't necessarily come with the car. I'm not going to bother them. Yeah, just let it go. I'm going to let that just go. Just let it go. Yep. Um, so you texted me earlier today and said that you, <laughs> and I didn't. I wanted to wait to hear this story. So you texted me that you almost drove your truck into your neighbor's living room. And I'm trying to figure out yeah. how this So ha- you've been to my house. I have a very, very steep driveway, which yes, sucks as a car guy. So I'm sitting there. The truck is sitting on my driveway. And it's a manual transmission, of I'm course. A, I'm imagining, because you have a really steep driveway, I'm imagining this being like soapbox derby time. It was a soapbox derby. <laughs> and I wrote in the show notes here, I almost made a new centerpiece in my neighbor's living room that was the truck. Yeah. So I, I like, what did I, what did I do? So I got out of the truck. It's not running. I like, it was parked in my driveway. And as I'm coming back out, I was like, oh, I, I remember the oil was low. Like I, last time I checked at the gas station, it was a little low. Yep. And so I went to pop the hood and then run in to the garage and grab a quart of oil. And so I just opened the door. I'm not in the truck. I just opened the door and <laughs> popped the hood open. The problem is the hood open lever oh, no, t- and the e-brake lever are right next to each other. And what's the one you use most often? The, the e-brake. e-brake. So release. you just intuitively, so naturally- I intuitively just pulled the e-brake and all of a sudden it starts rolling and I almost get knocked over by the door. Right. So I like grab the gramp, grab handle and pull myself up and slam on the brakes as I'm like in the road. Yeah. You got lucky. I did. Get you could have gotten run over. Yeah. I've done that before too, which is a, story for a different day. Okay, we'll, t- we'll talk about that. That sounds like something you would do. But yeah, um, only other thing that's going on with me, I did buy some Steelys for the 911. Yeah, but you only got two of them. I only got two of them, but I'm for... And like, they need complete and utter restoration. I know, but I got them dirt cheap. They are dirt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they look so really, I'm trying really to decide ratty. if I want it, if they're worth like having them sandblasted, and I got have a guy that'll do it like super cheap right. for it too, just to have his, like, I don't know, a set to run on the rear. It's I guess. Like, I don't know. Or the, no, okay. Anyway, what? I just don't understand the point of buying two wheels. Well, it's like Jake's wheel emporium at your house. It There's is wheels Jake's wheel emporium. I had like, what did I have? Thirty-two sets of wheels and tires in my garage at one point. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What do you need another set for? I don't know. You want to buy them now? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't at all want to buy them. Um, so I wanted to. So we were listening to some music while we were sitting here, and you asked uh-huh. me what it was. Yeah, and I said it was the Retro Wave Outrun. Uh. Uh, special or whatever that special um what the fuck i think the playlist playlist, playlist yep. the retro wave outrun playlist and uh and, I'm like, I, and you're like what's that, outrun that's cool what? have you ever seen the game with the ferrari with the blonde chick and the dude driving it it's at the arcade cruise in the usa <laughs> no this is they're driving a ferrari testarossa and they're driving through like the countryside and they're you just zip in between it's like a blonde chick and a with her hair flying out and then the dude driving no, the yeah, car i do that's, not Outrun. Okay, I don't. I still have no recollection. Wow, that reference is lost on me. Where did you grow up? In Wisconsin. (laughs) That's probably part of the problem. Outrun was like a really iconic driving, like pre-cruising USA. Okay, this is like eight-bit graphics. I would say. I would say more like eight sixteen-bit. It's a little bit better than eight-bit. I I would say it's sixteen-bit graphics. Sixteen-bit. I didn't know that was even a thing. Well, that's what a Super Nintendo is. Super Nintendo and Sega, I believe, are sixteen-bit systems. And then sixty-four was sixty-four bit correct now you're starting to pick it up i'm getting pick up it, on it. I'm getting but, it. Uh, but it's all thing. this like kind of like uh 80s music because it was like you're driving a ferrari testeros and i think one of them you're driving like a uh a gto and some and like, oh it's, sweet yeah so it's kind of like i don't know do you this, think we could get one of these arcades in the studio yeah absolutely i don't see why not okay let's we do could, that okay you buy it <laughs> <laughs> you can be the one that has to try and worry about getting keeping an arcade game running yeah i know that's um, not fun so i was trying to figure out what to do with my wheels my ats wheels but i found this is like an ongoing i know it's an ongoing saga. thing this is update number six i found two more so now i've got six total six total of these wheels okay <laughs> right, how so does I, that help us because one was bent oh I so see. i only had three so now i have two so now i have five so I have five okay. good wheels and okay. one bent wheel. I gotcha. I so, thought you were going to give me two of them to use with my steel wheels and I make a set. I guess that's an option, <laughs> I guess. Um, so anyway, so I'm going to get those. I got a, they should be there today, actually. I'm surprised my wife hasn't texted me pictures of them. Okay. Uh, maybe they're not there yet. So I got a. So um, now you are going to have them refinished as like the factory finish where they're machined on the lip. Guess, guess what happened? This is a dream scenario. Okay. So I got an email from UPS that says, click this link to track your package real time 
Okay. How many years have we been waiting to find out where our package is and where it might be there? I don't believe this it's is actually amazing. real time. This is, it, but it's amazing I don't because you it. call up FedEx and I'm like, hey, can you get a hold of the driver? Can yeah. you find out where the package is? No, we don't have his number. I'm like, what if his wife gets in a car accident? You can't call him. You can't get a hold of this guy. He's MIA for his entire ten hour <laughs> so workday. And like, well, we have special ways. I'm like, let's go, let's do it. Let's call the dispatch office. Let's find out where my package is. <laughs> they don't is. owe you anything. Why are they going to do that for you? Oh, it makes me so mad when I can't find out where a package is. That I, especially when it's late or it's a day late or it's something important or it's time sensitive or something I had overnight. it. It doesn't say anything other than out for delivery. Yeah. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Sit around here all freaking day long and just twiddle my thumbs waiting for this package? But now, UPS, this is like a great ad for UPS. <laughs> but UPS has a thing. I didn't click on it because I don't no, care right and, now. Okay, so, but I don't believe it's that accurate. Who knows? I mean, it would be... Think about this. It's like you could see where a UPS truck is and go rob it, like stage and like... Yeah, no, like, it won't work that way. It's not like... You know what does have awesome... Have you ever used DoorDash? No. DoorDash is amazing. You can just, on your app, like, order food, but that literally tracks the GPS of the delivery driver, so you can tell, like, where they are. That's and it's so amazing. accurate, it's coming around the corner, and sure enough, there's the car. Th- that's the way it should be, because so, you don't, no one likes to sit around and wait for the UPS guy or the cable guy. Why are you waiting for them? I don't know. Do you have because to sign for these wheels? Here's the pr- part of the problem is I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. So I sit that, at home. That is and a like, problem and for I, me a lot. And I, <laughs> and I sit there and I refresh the tracking number. If it's something I really want, I'm like, Jesus. come on, where's this fucking package? you don't have anything better to do. Yeah, because I'm just, I'm sitting there like writing something or writing show notes or who knows what yeah. I'm doing. But yeah, I just, I want to know where that package is. I, I want to know now. It would be great if you refreshed it enough times and just is like, have patience, you idiot. Yeah, that's probably, probably not going to happen. But Here's the big news story of the day. What's that? I'm we we I texted you this oh, morning. Yeah. <laughs> I texted you this morning and what are we going to buy? We are going to buy quote the worst car sold in the United States. Quote yeah, so I'm going to ever in history. Ever. So I'm going to read you guys the ad um and I'm going to leave out what it is until the very end. Yo. It is it's got 46,000 miles on it. It's the second owner. Always in the garage, no rust, has a carburetor and distributor. Which is good that it has those components. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's, that was great, too. 1,100cc motor, Fiat mm-hmm. drivetrain, runs good. Need to pump the gas to start cold. So maybe well, it just... Well, it's a carburetor. Right. New, new timing belt 500 miles ago. Vintage burgundy color. Four on the floor. Everything works. The radio's touchy. Bucket seats with folding bench and back. Cannot not list 80... Not actual bucket an, seats, by the way. No, it's clearly not bucket <laughs> seats. Um, it's a, it's a 1988 seats four. it's <laughs> seats four. Okay. Good to know. And then the guy sent me a, Oh, it's a, so it's a 1988 Yugo GV with 46,000 miles on it. And it looks super sweet. It's so everybody I show this to looks at me like I'm fucking nuts. You woke me up this morning by that text and I was like, this is interesting. And then I finally like got around to it. The thing is so clean. Yeah, it is really, really clean. He even took pictures of like the pinch welds under the chassis. Yeah. And there's like, from what at least it looks like, we haven't seen it yet. There's no rust. So I I tell the guy, he's like, well, where are you from? And I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm from Minneapolis. And the dude just started laughing outrageously. (laughs) Just uproarious (laughs) laughter at the thought of me driving the Yugo all six hours. It's up in by uh, Grand Forks. Six hours all the way back to Minnesota. The guy just laughed and laughed. Probably like 10 seconds of laughter. (laughs) He was laughing so much, I could not interrupt the laughter. (laughs) You're like, um, excuse me. Yeah. So this is, I sent this to a couple of my Porsche buddies. And they're just like, why? What are you doing? I don't understand so but this car is so it's gonna be bad this is these are bad cars but i think they have character and i think maybe maybe i've got i've got a, access to a set of recaros that are tweed that i can I put in there you're already then you're modifying and then it. i i just i want it to be so fucking low i want it to be slammed slammed undrivably low on maybe some ATS classics or some BBS RSs. It's four by ninety-eight bolt pattern, so you can get like little wobble bolts uh-huh. and kind of like sort of make four by one hundred wheels work. Uh-huh. So it's gonna be just dumped, just slammed, and then you know, on you know, cool wheels. Yeah. That's that's the dream for that car. So it'll be at Cars and Coffee, I hope, as long as we make it home. <laughs> I know. It'll be at Cars and Coffee on Saturday, so you can come see us. So then. what did I ask you? Because you were planning on taking either the golf or the sport wagon. You were like, How are we gonna tow this thing home? If no, it I down? asked, I said, Do you have a tow uh yeah, you're just receiver. assuming it's going to break down. Oh, yeah. That is my assumption. 100% that's my assumption. We're going to be stuck in the middle of Minnesota in a farm field. With this I have thing. AAA. It's no big deal. Yeah. I got a 200-mile tow for free. They can drop it off How of your house for you to fix it. No, my house? 
Okay. I even thought about like, maybe I should pitch in half just to like make it our project. And then I was like, I don't want this thing anywhere near my house. No, no, that's all right. So well, how we far, can, how far is the drive though? You said in miles. Five and a half hours. Again, our conversation went off the air. Miles. <laughs> what does it matter versus, how many miles Because is? when AAA only goes out 200 miles, if we're 225 miles. That thing will definitely make it 25 miles. Okay. If that thing can't make it 25 miles away from where I purchase it, I will eat my shoe. But no, my question is, are we 500 miles away? And so we have to make it 300 be, before we're in the window? I or don't what? know. Who cares? It's, it's five and a half hours. That's how I do <laughs> So five and a half, 60, uh, But the guy, he, he says, so he texts me. He's like, hey, man, I got it all set for you. I filled the washer fluid up and the spare tire has got 30 pounds of air in it. You're all set to go. And I told you, well, both like, those oh. things are better than the 911 <laughs> yours yes. yes mine but i'm like oh thanks he's like yeah the wipers work great I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just laughing about this whole I know ordeal he is. and he's like just you know you, you're not really gonna want to go much faster than 55 and i'm just like oh well, no. he also said this the clutch is a little he said dodgy. clutch is a little dodgy i don't know what's gonna ha- what's going on there but i imagine a clutch in that thing takes all of about five minutes so I'll just do a clutch in it right away when I get it home. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like adjust it before we leave. Uh, I don't remember. I think he says he tried to adjust it or something like that. We can know. try. We we'll can see. try adjust it again. We'll see. So, um, but that's that'll be our story tomorrow. So we're gonna have uh, it'll be it'll be a story. We'll talk and about I, the road trip next episode. Okay. Um, we have a maybe maybe not guest on that I don't want to reveal yet, just because I'm not sure if they're gonna be here or not. Okay. Um, but the, but we'll uh, the car should be at Cars and Coffee. Come see it. <laughs> And, uh, I love the should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so we'll be right back with uh, Drew and Tim. Uh, they're going to talk to us about uh, some 9-11 stuff, probably some California's car stuff. And I want to know some of their history of how they got to where they are today with uh, with the Porsche. And I think we should probably talk about some Porsche scene stuff and maybe the future of where Porsches are going. Okay, so, sure. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back with Drew and Tim. What's going on, guys? What up? What's going on? So um, you guys flew out here to pick up a 964 Carrera 2. And, That's a uh, Porsche. That is a Porsche, yep. So not all of our, I guess not all of our listeners are into Porsches. Well, but a lot I of them try are. to add a little bit yeah, of yeah. Uh, context. So how did you find me? Because you contacted me. You're like, hey, what's to do in Minnesota? Was yes. So um, a buddy of mine or one of my followers on Instagram, Kevin, yeah. said, um, actually, he was responding to one of my Instagram stories. Right. I was like, what is there to do in Minnesota? And, and I almost took that like, does everybody assume there's nothing to do in Minnesota? <laughs> Cow tipping, um, that tractor was, pulls. That was one um, of the conversations. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I had three people respond to me to, and said, yes, there's absolutely nothing to do in Minnesota. That is false. Although, that, when you did ask me that, I had to go, what is there to do in Minnesota? <laughs> like, I had to think yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, if you're outside of the metro area, then you're then you're into cow tipping territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I uh, I met up with you guys this afternoon for lunch, and we went out to 311 RS and kind of hung out. And you got to I let you drive the car, which was fun. That um, was very fun. So he drove the the old my old car, and then drove his car. Your old uh, car? Do you have a new car? Well, I'd, <laughs> my old 911. Yeah, okay. So we drove that, and then he drove the white 964 over to here. So uh, here we here we are. So it was, it was really nice meeting you, and I really appreciate you coming in. Man, I'm so glad you were able to host us so that we can see parts of Minnesota that we would have never seen. Because we actually went to, was it Lakeville? Lakeville, yeah. We went to Lakeville, and there's nothing over there. <laughs> Why'd like, you go to Lakeville? That's, that's where the car was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so this was just a private cellar that you bought private, it from? It was a private cellar. We actually were supposed to show up at 8. We're there around 744 or something. And we're like, hey, let's just go get some breakfast. Mm-hmm. We could not find a place to yeah, eat. Yeah, that's not – you were in the wrong area for, like, good food, Lakeville. That's, like, Denny's is probably your best no, option. There was, no, there was a, a – what's that coffee place? Caribou? Caribou. Caribou, That yeah. was the only – and then there was, like, 30 cars outside for it. So it's like – Yeah, that's the Midwest, like – 
competitor to Starbucks. Yep. That's, it's a Minnesota-based company. I feel like I should move out here and open a coffee shop in Lakeville just so there's an <laughs> option. <laughs> no I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. So uh, but what we ended up doing is I took them out and we drove through uh, Shoreline Drive through Lake Minnetonka out to 311 Rest and kind of showed oh, them fun. What actual Minnesota is is lakes and, and you know lots of boats and driving on some nice roads out like that. A lot of Minnesotas like that. You know, that's kind of what everybody reveres in Minnesota is a lake life. Right. Right. So there's all kinds. I mean, that area is fairly affluent, but there's little lakes and, and communities where people have cabins and stuff all over the entire There's state. over 10,000 of them. Yes. I over saw 10, a license 000. plate that said that. That's correct. It's true. So That's our motto. There's actually almost 11,000, isn't 10, there? 10,000 lakes. Yeah. And fun fact, there's actually more in Wisconsin. No shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, ironically, someone told me there's more cows in Minnesota than there are in Wisconsin. That's probably true. We have a lot of farmland. If you go southwest in Minnesota, it's almost boring. It's like Nebraska. It's, or it's, or northwest towards a Yugo. Yeah, towards it's also our Yugo. Be that an we're extremely gonna, oh man, it's going to be a, that is going to be a terrible drive. You're one of the people where I was like, check this car out, and your eyes just kind of glazed over. Like <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, I was like, does it have turbo or something at least? No, no, just oh, 54 no. horsepower, a pure Yugoslavian. 55 when it was 55 new. 55 with pure Yugoslavian fury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder they didn't win the war. That's what they were driving around. So I want to talk a little bit about um, about you and where you came from. So as, as I've kind of hung out with you today, I'm kind of picking up bits and pieces of, you know, what you're into and what you like and what you're doing. But um, I kind of want to find out what your foundation is in all this. Because sure. uh, we found out that you're uh, one and a half generation <laughs> one um, and a half, Korean. Right, right correct. And uh, we figured out that was because your, your dad came over when he was in his 20s or whatever. Correct. Um, so I was kind of curious as to what... Um, what inspired you then with, with the cars? What was the kind of like your car hero when you were growing up that kind of sparked this for you? Well, that goes back to 1992. And I remember That's being, very specific. I was going to say, yeah. you like have a story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, you asked a very specific question. So for me, it's, um, I was in the seventh grade and um, my neighbor was taking me to school. So we had a carpool. And I remember looking over on the back seat, there was a a red Ferrari with a Acura badge. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's when it happened. And I realized that when I saw the Ferrari, it was absolutely beautiful. And I was like, why would somebody put an Acura badge on a Ferrari? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, I have a, one of my good friends. His older brother was really into cars. He's about 10 years older than us. And I had asked him, I was like, yo, I saw this Ferrari today, but I had an Acura badge. Why would somebody do that? And he said... I, I don't know why somebody would do that. And I was like, me neither. But maybe maybe it wasn't accurate. <laughs> and he goes, no way. There's no such thing. And I was like, well, I know what I saw. you know. And I was, I was 12 at the time. And it wasn't until later, because you know, I couldn't Google something like that. Right. It wasn't until later that I realized that the accurate NSX was coming out. And this guy in my neighborhood, for some reason, had one. And that's when that was the first time I remember saying whoa that is amazing so so that car was the one that kind of set it off for you it was so when you so you were like 12 years old um was any of your family into cars at that time or is this seeing that car kind of lit the fire in you all on its own my mom had a 1980 chevy malibu okay in vanilla so that's a no. <laughs> that's a big no. Are you saying the car was vanilla or the color was vanilla? Both. Both. Yeah. You know, my dad, when I was younger, he owned Ellen and Dalton Sound, or he owned a, a portion of it, and he had an old 1972 uh, Mercedes Coupe that I – it was really awesome at the time because, you know – the German leather and the smells. And, you know, I remember coming out of, you know, Taekwondo classes. Yes, Koreans all take Taekwondo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> so every Korean can kick my ass is what you're saying. No, because Taekwondo is really a dance. It's not really yeah. real karate. If you, Google, okay. if you Google Taekwondo Olympics, give it a watch. Yeah. It's, it's just a fine dance between... Two men. Two men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's really bad. But I remember him picking me up from Taekwondo and... Um, you know, where we live partly outside in Pomona, it's kind of a rough area. He would bump Neil Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sweet Carolina, right? And so, um, bop, you know, bop, bop. Bop. Okay, man, it go. just, 
it just brings back so much memories being in that car. But that was the only cool car I think my dad had. My okay. uncle had a Fiero that I thought was the coolest thing ever. You know, it was a two-seater. And, oh, yeah. As yeah. a young kid, like the shape, I mean, now that we're old, we know that those cars were kind of like, uh, but as a kid, you're like, oh, the shape is cool, you yeah. know, and it's two, the two-seater thing. It was yeah. very 80s. Yeah. 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 That, so to me, that was really cool. My uncle was really cool. He was an artist and, and, and had the cars and stuff. But I don't think that really was you know, ingrained into my mind at the time. You know, I thought it was just cool, and he was my cool uncle, but it, it didn't really, I didn't gravitate towards cars until a little bit later in high school. Okay, so we're talking like 16. What was your first car that, what did you learn <laughs> how to drive on, actually? What was the story there? My very first car was a another vanilla-colored car. It was a 1989 Dodge Caravan. Okay, uh, yeah, very nice. That's where it started, guys. Was it the turbo? It was not the turbo. Okay. It was the, the V six. You know what? Here, going back to Korean stories again, my parents bought this from some Korean couple. Uh, there's a thing called tangjang, which is um, a fermented soybean paste, and it smells like hell. Okay, it sounds like <laughs> it's, it might. It's dying, right? And so um, <laughs> that's what the car smelled like. And I used to put air fresheners in there, so it would smell like gummy bears and tangjang. Oh. And I'm trying to explain to my whiteboard friends, like, hey, yo. Um, they're like, what does that smell, dude? And I'm like, well, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's gummy bears. <laughs> like dying gummy bears is what it is. So, you know what? I'm actually glad when I think back, you know, it, you know, all my friends were getting different cars and stuff. And, you know, I wanted a 92 GSR. That was my dream car, which I just got last week, by the way. And um, um, I that van was, it, it belonged in my life because I drove like an asshole <laughs> my first year, you know, and plus, because I, I don't know, I just had a lot of rage, I guess. And if I had a new car, I would have effed it up for sure. So were you the guy that had to carry around all the friends? I mean, that thing yeah. must have been full of people all the time. People needed rides, but they had to hold their breath, you know? It was, it was <laughs> tough for them. It was a compromise. It was a compromise. <laughs> it was. So what was the first car that you had that was actually fun? What was... what? Well, at the time, um, so I was in high school in 1994, See, um, the GSR was out of my price range, so my dad said that, um, you know, what kind of car do you want? And I wanted a 91 Civic, and, you know, the hatchbacks were the cool ones, but um, my dad found me a sedan, and it was awesome because it was an automatic, which was, I mean, really not cool, but um, it was owned by this nice Mexican family who had put, you know, gold hubcaps and, you know, it was very interesting the way the car was set up when it first came into my life. And I just wanted, you know, the OE uh, Honda hubcaps and just slammed the car, which I did. My dad was obviously very pissed off. Oh, he didn't like that. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't like that at all, of course. Because oh, the car was slammed. At the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of parts around. So when you're in high school and you're broke. Did you just cut the springs or something? You just cut springs. And, yeah. you know, at the time <laughs> I bought Sprint springs, which were like, you know, the lowest that you can get. And I remember driving around like, oh, this is so cool. And one of my neighbors, he, he was older than us and said, hey, have you checked your tires lately? I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I check them all the time. And so I'm driving around and he was like, no, no, no. I think something's up with your tires. So he was like, turn your tires. So I do. And, you know, the wires are just shredded up. Oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. what? Because I was always checking on the outside. Right. And that's when I got a real taste of like, oh. Alignment. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alignment <laughs> issues. I got big into alignment. Camber, like that was a big thing. Yeah. I mean, when the cars are with those springs and they're that low, it's like you could almost make chocolate milk in the cup holder. They're so bouncy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, they are just like all over the place. It's not like Initial D where you guys got the tofu in the back seat that he can't spill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody... Have you guys seen Initial D? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Big fan. It's it's the guy has a, an AE eighty six that he right. and he has tofu in it, and that his dad's like, you cannot spill the tofu, and that's how the guy like learns. <laughs> he's a tofu delivery guy, okay, and he can't spill the tofu, so that's how he learns how to drive. But <laughs> you haven't seen it. I, yeah, we got to work know on that. Of it. Okay, gotcha. We but I haven't seen no it. outrun. Doesn't has uh, not watched Initial D. Jake, no. you're losing points. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so what was that? So how did this um, all turn? So, what have you? What do you drive now? What's what, what's the fleet like? Um, so currently, the so actually tomorrow is my five year um, purchase anniversary for my NSX. I bought a 2002 uh, Grand Prix White NSX back then. That was my prized car purchase of my entire life okay. you know i you know wanting an nsx at the time i was looking for years and trying to find something within a budget was very tough do you think that's because that's the, that car was the original inception for you of all of this is that kind of what turned you on to this or was there something else you know 
yes and no. It's it's a car that I've always wanted, and at the time when I was looking, you know, it's it, you know when you want something, you're always looking, right? And it, there was a time where it was just building up, and at a certain point, I realized, like I should I should try to move on this because I feel like. You know, because I'm self-employed, and I always tell a lot of this to my interns that, you know, when you work for yourself, there's nobody really, like, encouraging you and telling you that you're doing a good job. You got to reward yourself because if you don't, then you just get burnt out. And so, you know, the NSX was, like, my first real prize to myself that, hey, you know, you, you've worked hard. This You deserve this. Even though, you know, buying a nice car, an expensive car, it's a selfish thing. You know, like, everybody's judging you, you know, like why are you buying that? And I was getting a lot of those questions too. Like, why would you go out and buy such an expensive card? You know, it's not the right time or, you know, whatever the case is. And so you, you start to doubt yourself when you're getting close to buying something like that. And of course they didn't realize that I would be a hoarder of stuff. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just imagine you like getting into that car and it's like the 12 year old version of yourself holding onto the steering wheel. Sure. Like, like I have that vision in my mind of just the little you. That's just because finally... I still look 12. <laughs> Korean jeans. <laughs> well, you're going to live to be like 100 anyway. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's all yeah, good. Like, so, you know, you know, the funny thing is, you know, getting into an NSX the first time, I actually have a really great story with that. Um, you know, there's always an inherent fear when you fantasize about something so long when you're a kid. And when it finally comes into your life, it may just let you down right. to the highest degree, right? You're just like, oh my God, why did I like this car so much? It just sucks, you know, it just, it's terrible. And so when there was a time I, I was getting ready to buy the NSX, my buddy finds a, um, an ad on Craigslist. Actually, I'm so sorry. There's an ad, um, ad on a group we're a part of called the Purist Group. And somebody lists a 1997 NSX, which is an NA2, which has a 3.2 and a six-speed. And the and, headlights that aren't pop-up. Uh, no, the 97s are still pop-ups. Never but mind just, that. Yeah. The O2s, <laughs> the O2s is when they came with the fixed headlights. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we went, um, it, was in, it was listed in Huntington Beach, and uh, we drove out there that night. I called the guy. I was like, yo, is this still available? And he said, yeah. So drove out there. It was listed for $25,000, which was, at the time, very, very cheap. Okay. Yeah, so drove out there and uh, met the guy out there around 9 o'clock. And he just was not showing up. So I was with there with my buddy Randy and a few different friends, my wife and, and a few different friends. And um, my buddy Greg. You're just like at to, the dude's house? No, like, but he told me to meet at the supermarket. So we're okay. waiting at the supermarket. And basically what happened was I'm calling him like, yo, we're here. Where are you at? And he was like, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. So he finally shows up about 45 minutes later. Great. I was like, okay, we drove 45 minutes out here. You could have left your house when I said I was coming, right? And so he shows up randomly in a Mustang convertible. <laughs> no Great. joke. Like the worst one, like probably like a 2001. And my thing is like somebody who owns an NSX, I don't think they would own a Mustang convertible. It's not really like right. that Good type point. of, you know, right? It was, it was weird. And so, you know, I was scratching my head. And so I'm calling the guy. I was like, dude, where are you? So he says, I'm by CVS. I'm in front of CVS. So me and my buddy walk towards CVS, and there's nobody around except for this homeless-looking dude. So I'm, like, <laughs> calling him, and I see the guy in the distance picking up his phone. I'm like, are you here? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what color is your shirt? And I'm looking at the homeless guy, and his shirt's black. And so I'm like, oh, no. Like we just We're about got, to get mugged. We're about to get jacked. You know, <laughs> this was, it was all bad. So I'm walking towards him. This guy's hobbling. Okay, so just it's all weird. So I walk up to him, and then my buddy Greg actually got there. You know, when he's walking towards us, my buddy Greg finally met up. He lives in that area and said, dude, I've seen this NSX. It's actually down the street, and there's a for sale sign on the open, on the open street. <laughs> so okay. he goes, it's been there for a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, so this story is just getting weirder and weirder, right? And so sure, the old guy comes. I was like, yo, where's the car? Like, I mean... You're wasting so much time. Like, where's the car? He's like, it's down the street. So my buddy Greg already went there and called me and said, the car's here. Just come. So I tell the old guy, I'll meet you by the car. So I'm, I'll go over there and just cobwebs, and the car just looks like it's been sitting forever. The old guy finally comes, and he gets out of the car. And I didn't believe it was a car because there's no way. And he starts – Have you seen photos of it? Yeah, the it was on, it was on, um, it was on 
it was on the ad. I think it was from Craigslist, and yeah. there was a he used a white marker to put for sale, like in the lowest quality, like you know, like why would you write on the back windshield? It was like super, yeah, like ghetto, okay. you yeah. know. And it, you can tell somebody who he had the shakes, I guess. So when he wrote it, it just it looked like it was all. I mean, it was so so bad. Anyways, he hobbled over. He could barely get the key in the keyhole, and I had to help him. And I just thought, like, I don't know what's going on. I was like, do you really own this car? What's, I mean, what's the issue? He said, yeah, I do. Um, I need to sell it because I need to make room for my other cars, which was another wide-body chameleon NSX. And Can't he judge had, a book by its cover, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it was, it was weird. He had a Pantera. He had a bunch of these crazy cars. So This dude is an eccentric guy. I he's think. very out there for sure. So I asked him, um, can we do a test drive? So we get in the car. This is the first time I've ever been in NSX. He gets in, he can barely walk, barely open the door, but as soon as he gets into the car seat, dude, this guy just put into first gear and just slammed the gas. And I was like, OMG, I'm looking at my buddy and my wife. I'm like, dude, I'm going to die tonight, but it's going to be an NSX, right? It was, it was absolutely nuts. And I was like, how is it that you can barely walk, you know, but you can drive like this? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of disease he had, but he was able to drive amazingly right and so we came back around i was like can i drive the car and he said no because the last guy who test drove it raced a mustang and almost killed me and so here we are you know fighting um for a test drive he finally lets me test drive it and instantly i fall in love with the car so it led up to the uh reality and fantasy kind of coming together and it was everything that i hoped it would be that's awesome. But when Have I you went, been in touch with this guy at all? No. <laughs> no, no. It was weird. I actually went home that night because I wanted to do some research on the car before I spent twenty five grand, which was at the time a lot of money for me. And um, I, I found out the car was salvaged. He didn't tell oh. me that. And so I actually did some homework on NSX Prime and found the original owner about three days later. I asked him what happened to the car. He said he crashed it at the track. And I asked him if he would ever buy that car back. And he said the way the, the the front end crumpled because you know the the frame you know the frame is made of aluminum you don't want to bend aluminum back right yeah so he was like you know what I would not buy the car back and uh, so I called the guy back and said you know what? I'm gonna have to pass which I should have bought it anyways because you know when the prices skyrocketed you know it would have I would have made money on it for sure but so how, what did you you ended up with an NSX eventually I did I did um, eventually I, I got a hold of my buddy um, who's been in the NSX scene for a very long time he actually gathered a bunch of his friends to let me drive their cars and one of them was selling it um, he, I drove an NA1 which I didn't it, it felt like an S2000 to me so I didn't really fall in love with that until um, um, I, I put up a want to buy ad on NSX Prime and two guys got back to me one guy was a Japanese engineer in San Francisco and he said, I have a 2002 white NSX, which, you know, it's kind of a unicorn. They're, they only made 24 white ones in the later part of the, the generations. And, and I just told him right up, you know, straight up, I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't afford your car because, you know. Without even knowing. Without even knowing. Like, come on. Unless the car is completely jacked up, it'll st- I still can't afford it. You know, it'll <laughs> still probably be like 35, 40 grand. And so he, um, he was like, you know what? Let's, let's continue the conversation. So we did. And at the time, he had it listed for $50,000. Okay. And I was like, for sure I cannot afford this, you know. <laughs> but we continued the conversation, and sure enough, uh, we came to an agreement. And I said, all right, well, let me, let me drive up there. So I did with some friends. And I don't know where I, I even got the money. You know, I didn't have the <laughs> money for it, but I did. You know, it's just like one of those things I was telling Tim, like when you, when you buy a car like this, um, you won't stop at anything to, you know, to get the car because when you want something, I mean, you have to fight, you know, tooth and nail to get it. And that's like one of the, like you're talking about being self-employed. It's things like that that motivate you to get up in the morning and, and move on and keep pushing and keep driving, keep getting better and growing because otherwise, you know, there's nobody breathing down your neck except yourself. Exactly. So it's nice to have that carrot on the stick out in front of yourself and you have to put it there. Otherwise, you just end up like me sometimes where I just play No Man's Sky or PUBG all day. <laughs> right, you know? right. Like there's days where I'm like super down and I don't do anything. So it's it's nice to have that stuff out there to to keep yourself motivated. Exactly. And, it, and, it, and it's hard being self-employed. It's it, tough. It is, you know. I've I've been doing it since 2001, so you know, I'm when I get pumped, I'll I'll get into the the groove, you know. So. so how did you go So what's the transition then into into Porsche land? It's like the, it's kind of like this thing I think where you have um, imports like the like an NSX is kind of like the the pinnacle of it, right? Sure. But 
there's really not that much else out there. Exactly. So then you start shifting into like German cars where all of a sudden there's like this huge breadth of, of sports cars that are available. Is that kind of how it kind of graduated into, into Porsche that way? Kind of. You know, my wife, um, at the time, my, my son was born in 2009, and I bought my NSX in two, 2013. Um, at the time, I was, you know, I had my S2000, my NSX, and my wife was like, dude, you can't just keep buying two-seaters. This is, not, <laughs> this is not the business. So my wife was like, you need to go out and buy cars with back seats. So she was thinking, you know, an SUV or a station wagon, whatnot. So one day I was actually walking by um, a 911 and I was peeping inside and I realized there was a back seat for like midgets, dogs, and children. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. And I was like, dude, this can actually work out. You know, like this, this could be legitimate. So I started looking into 911s and then realized there was like this whole culture of, you know, cars that um, existed for a very long and time. And this is in just, circa what era kind of? This was in 2014. Okay. Uh, you know what? There was a lot of things that happened in 2014. Uh, one of my old interns, um, Lloyd, basically was, you know, he found the Magnus uh, Urban Outlaw video. Okay. So I'm watching the Urban Outlaw video. I'm watching the fact that, that 9-11s have back seats because my wife is bugging me about it. And all these things are kind of coming together. And so I realized maybe maybe this is a time for me to look into 9-11s. Um, the thing that really captivated me for a, a newer generation 9-11 was the 997.1 GT3. I mm-hmm. still remember it. That was the only other car I still remember the first time I had seen it. And that was a car I wanted. Of course, the GT3 doesn't have back seats, so <laughs> my wife was not very happy with me when, <laughs> when I was looking for one. So in 2015, I was looking between, uh, I was telling Tim, I was looking for a 964 and a GT3, which is funny because the discrepancy in price was about like a $50,000 delta, you know? At the and, time, yeah. Yeah, right. And I was just, whichever would close first. 964s were still reasonable. You could get them for 20 grand. At, at the time, 20, I was looking, it, the one I if was looking at was, looking at was in the mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah. It, with transport, it was starting to kind of creep up to 40 grand. Yeah. And that was kind of still at the, the, low, the low side of things. Sure, yeah. sure. So, um, where do you what's with uh so you, you kind of started out at the at the inception of all that because i think that's when things kicked off yeah was like that magnus walker video yeah. really kind of uh it's like it almost pulled like this hood off the porsche world because for a long time porsche even though it had won a ton of races and and been really really cultural relevant in its own right within its own purview after that video i don't know what it was but it seems like everything just brightened up and then all of a sudden porsches were everywhere um, where is, do you think do you kind of attribute it to to what exactly? What do you think has happened over the last five years or so? You know, I think a lot of it is social media. I think with that documentaries like Urban Outlaw, when you see stuff like that, you're actually seeing the history of of a brand of of a car. And when you see, like for example, the NSX has a lot of history, but the NSX was only made for a very short window of time, and everybody in the NSX community knows each other. The the 911 world is similar, but it's way more expansive, you know. And you have different types of people, class of people, age of people, and that's what really drew me to 911s was that it it the community was so niche, but it was so diverse. It wasn't as small as the NSX community, and that's what really I think locked me in. And the more I learned about 911s, every bit of it really like spoke to me. Why do you think it didn't happen with like BMW? It just isn't there. Like well, it's just not. You know, you know. Here's the thing. I think M3. You know, M M fans. You know, they're they're plentiful. You know, like people want. Like in the S2000 scene, a lot of people jump up to M3s. You know, you see that a lot. And I think the fans are out there. It's just that I think everyone knows that Porsche is like a pinnacle product. You know, it's you know M3s are are a product that is that's premium, but it's not overreaching like you know Porsche, where it's like you have to really want it. You know, you don't just go out and get an M. You know, you can get an M3, but you just don't get a, get an, a 911 just out of nowhere. Sure. You know, it has to be planned. It has to be, you know, you have to reach for it. So do you think things are going to stay as hot as they are with the Porsche thing? Like, in per, I mean, it seems like there's no end in sight for, for all the media that's being created and the social media is out of control. And it's Luft this. Everything's named Luft all these things with, like, on Instagram, everybody's yeah. handle now is Luft fill in the yeah, blank. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Things seem out of control, and I bet Rensport is going to be like mind blowing this year. I believe so. What's I mean? Where does this end? 
I, you know what? I don't think it was, it's, I don't think it's going to end really, to be honest with social media. It, it's like you get to see what you love constantly on a daily basis. You know, I think pre social media, it's something that you might, I mean, I might forget about NSX and not think about it for six months, but now with social media, like even if you don't want to look at nine 11s, but you know, if Instagram knows the, the algorithm knows that you like 911s, it's gonna get pushed in your face. Right. So <laughs> it's almost like before phones or something, you would almost have like a guy following you around, right. showing you pictures <laughs> of shit you like. Just imagine it, like some dude would, just be like, "Here, yeah. check this out." Just like, like pamphleting through like different photos of yeah. cars you and love. notifications. He'll like tap you on the shoulder. Hey, yeah. hold on, look at this again. Come on, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, 911 cooled and kind of where that came from and and what your goals are for that what's what's the story you know when i bought the uh nsx i had the s2000 at the same time i started a kind of a brand called ns ns2kx which was kind of a combination between s2000 and nsx Mm -hmm. and you know the page grew pretty quickly and you know the the s2000 i bought was an original uh, i was an original owner and i thought i was gonna own it forever um, but there was a, a point in time when I was considering the GT3 that I knew I couldn't keep the S2000. I would have to sacrifice it to get the GT3. And, you know, I had an Evo at the time, the NSX. And once you start having V6s and turbos and stuff, and then you get into S2000, you know, it lacks torque, you know, down low. You know, that car comes alive at the track. And, you know, if I'm not at the track, then it, it, it seems like it's lacking soul. And so I, I didn't, I wasn't using the car for its intended purpose. And it started to kind of, get a bit dull for me and I ended up selling it and, and moving on with my life. Sure. And uh, I realized when I, in 2015, when I, when I was getting into 911s that I would probably want to start a brand that revolved around 911. So in 2015, I started 911 cold after, I think it took me about maybe a week to think of the name and I just kind of, you know, contributed here and there, not too much, you know, just a little bit. And it wasn't until the summer of 2017 when I decided to finally go full time with it. Okay. And um, basically just started. So what do you guys do? So basically what I do is I'm trying to kind of be a SoCal lifestyle base for the new class. And when I say new class, I'm talking about people who are at the age of 25 to about 40 or 45 years old. Cool. I still fall into the new class <laughs> category. I was going to say. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You know, because, you know, for me, like I didn't grow up around 911s. I didn't really know any 911 owners. And so I think a lot of Asian guys that grew up in SoCal, we were very heavy into Hondas. Um, and, and now a lot of us are growing up, you know, we're starting to make money. A lot of us are starting to look past, you know, Civics and Integras and look for something that's beyond. And, you know, the JDM world is so small. You know, once you move up to premium, it's NSX, Supra, you know, FD, RX-7, and, you know, maybe STIs and Evos. Yeah. You know, beyond that, there's really nothing. And so once you start getting into the, the Euro market, you realize how more expansive it is. And, um, you know, the first time I drove a 911, the reason why I fell in love with it is it reminded me of the NSX in, in a sense, but it had back seats. So to me, it was like family life and like my <laughs> 20s kind of merging together as a car. Sure. And it represented me so well at that time. And I think that's the reason that really it started to pull me in slowly. So what is the, what's the future for you guys? What's coming, what's coming down the road here? You know... You know, I started merchandising back in January just to start to become a little bit more sustainable with everything, and that's been going pretty well. I, I do all my own designs and merchandising. I work with a designer. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll conceptualize something, and if I can't come up with a good design, I'll work with uh, my designer to help you know pull through. And so that that's worked out pretty well. I think in the future um, with YouTube, my, my, my hope is to continue to make videos that are interesting. I started doing stuff that I, I specialize in, which is photos and whatnot doing behind the scenes stuff, but I want to start talking to owners and, and start sharing their stories about, you know, you know, similar to mine, like why they got into it, what makes their car special, you know, what are their aspirations? I know every single 911 owner aspires to own two, three, four, five plus, you know, cause yeah, as many <laughs> as you possibly can. Yeah. You're, you know, cause we're all hoarders. And so that's what I'm hoping on is just to kind of meet a lot of the, the fans, you know, cause 911 is a global product. You know, I, I sell merch everywhere, Europe, Asia, North America, you know, South America, and so Australia. I don't want to leave out those guys. So where, <laughs> so where, can, uh, where can people find you if they want to find you? Basically, you can go to 911cold, it's 911cold.com, uh, or you can go to Instagram. That's where you usually will find me. And find your stories and, and everything find my else stories that you're correct. doing. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming in and telling us your story. Yeah. Um, you want, I, got, I got time for one news story. Yeah. You want to stick around and yeah, just hang sure. out and shoot the shit a little bit through this. So this is a story that I found... Um, it's it's about a year old, but I think it's 
it's worth worth a read. So I'm just going to okay. read through it, and you guys can just tell me what you think. Um, the title is Pathetic Carjackers Force Owner to Teach Them How to Drive Stick. Wow. Yeah, so this is like, I always think of my 911 as like theft-proof. Because most most thieves can't drive a nine can't drive a nine eleven that's manual. Most people, period, can't drive a manual. Yeah, so it's pretty safe. Like the keys are almost always in my car. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave them in there when I go into the store or whatever. It's, are they in it down there right now? <laughs> yeah, actually, they probably. He's are. Like I don't know where my keys are, so I'm hoping so. Yeah, they're. Yeah, I don't know where my. I don't. Just don't, don't lock your doors, Chris. Tim, go to the bathroom. The doors are never locked either. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's have at it. Um, so Demary Wayne reportedly got away with his first two carjackings. His third would have gone the same way if it hadn't been for the car's meddling three pedals and a stick shift. Uh, kudos to Jalopnik for this story, by the way. Um, Cleveland.com reports Wayne, 18, is suspected of having just tried to steal three cars in the span of 10 days. The key word there is tried. The third theft did not work out so hot when he and his buddy couldn't figure out how to drive a manual transmission, despite forcing the car's owner to teach them at gunpoint. Wow. Are you serious? Wow. Only an hour after the second robbery he's accused of, Wayne and his 17-year-old accomplice allegedly went to another vehicle. It was a Ford Mustang, according to ABC News 5. And the duo allegedly told the driver they'd kill them if he didn't get out. When Wayne's 17-year-old friend couldn't figure out how to drive stick, he apparently pulled out an airsoft gun and tried forcing the owner to coach him through it. Cleveland.com describes the incident saying, The 17-year-old got in the driver's seat but couldn't drive a stick shift. The teen pointed the gun at the owner while the man tried to explain how to use the gears, according to court records. Oh, my God. (laughs) Eventually, the two teens gave up and ran to a nearby train station onto a train after relieving the Mustang owner of his phone. Police traced that phone, blah, blah, blah. There's no word on what happened to the 17-year-old, but Cleveland.com says Wayne is being charged with three counts of aggravated robbery and now sits in the city jail on a $100,000 bond. Next time, learn to drive stick before turning to a life of crime. Wow. So that is terrible. What a loser. But here's the lesson of the story. He didn't get the car. He right. didn't steal the car. Right. So the car was safe. All you have to do, if you, the, it's it's the biggest anti theft device that there is, is a manual transmission. That was the point of the of the story. I, I like that story a lot. I'm just trying to like picture this scenario where someone's holding you up, carjacking you, but then they're like, "Wait, hold on, I don't know how to drive. Uh, <laughs> what do uh, I do here? How do I do it? What like what do you say? Be like, well, you're probably gonna need both hands. So put the gun down, <laughs> and then I'm gonna reach for mine. No, why didn't he just run? Why didn't he what just didn't be, he, fuck it? I'm not I gonna know, steal the, this the car. The whole thing is such an well, why didn't the owner run too? I don't know. It's an idiotic. The whole thing is just idiotic. In any, I would think that if you just got in the car and saw his man, you would just leave. Right. But obviously, these guys, if they're stealing and carjacking cars, are not the most intelligent people. Anyway, maybe so. it was a 911. He really wanted it. It was a right. Mustang. Oh, okay. It's a Mustang. Probably, <laughs> probably a V6. Probably right. a convertible. <laughs> Naturally, he probably owns an NSX and he probably walks funny too. <laughs> I would love to hear more about that guy. <laughs> that guy sounds fascinating. He took, his, he took me to his house and literally he had the NSX and the, he had two Panteras and it was in, it was it was taken apart. He basically, he had a mechanic who said he quit on him probably because he's crazy. And <laughs> I don't know. It, it's insane. That guy was really wild. Uh, I, wow. I, I want to meet that guy. If, <laughs> if uh, next time I'm in Los Angeles, we should drive over there and see if that guy still lives there. <laughs> I know. That would be awesome to go find well, that guy. Well, talk about curating interesting stories about cars. Just, like, put a camera on that guy. You guys, yes. you guys should interview him. That's what I'm thinking, because I'd love to hear that guy's story. I'm going to see if I can trace back, because I know where... I'll ask my buddy where the car was parked, because he knows that area. Yeah. And then we'll, I think I could trace back to his house. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was a while ago. <laughs> that that would actually be an awesome follow-up. Yeah. We'll see if we can, we'll see if we can find him. All right. All right, guys, thanks so much for coming in. We're really glad that you were here. That's it for this episode. We will see you guys at Cars and Coffee. I'm hopefully going to have the Yugo there. I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully we make we'll it back with the Yugo. And uh, take care, guys. <laughs>